You're listening to the Restoration Church Bible Study. Join us each week as Gloria Lee takes us verse by verse through the Old Testament. This morning we are going to start with the prophets and we're going to start with Obadiah. He is the one that wrote the first prophecy that is uh, in the Old Testament. The Verses 1 through 9 of Obadiah is also a parallel of Jeremiah 49, 7 through 22. And it seems that Jeremiah must have had the prophecy of Obadiah when he wrote his book of Jeremiah. What we do when we do our Bible study is we go verse by verse or a section of verses at a time so that when we get through, you've read the whole book of each of the books that we're reading. My commentaries for the book of Obadiah are David Gusick, John Trapp, Got Questions, Chuck Smith, Matthew Henry, and A.R. Fawcett. So most of the material that I have come from these men. Let's begin with verse 1 through 4. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Uh, I heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. You who say in your heart, who will bring me dick to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. So starting with verse 1, it says a messenger, an ambassador, has already been sent. This was an angel that was sent. And it was to stir up the, it's not working. Mandy's gone. To stir up uh, the Assyrians, afterwards the Chaldeans against Edom. So these are the ones that came against them. First, the Assyrian, and you see their empire in the red there. And there, here is the Chaldean Empire that took over after them. Both of these empires came after Edom. And the results of the ambassador's message on the heathen is, they simultaneously exclaim, Arise ye, and let us unite. So would you read Jeremiah 49, 14? And it says, I have heard the rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent unto the heathen, saying, Gather ye together, and come against her, and rise up to the battle. All right, so Obadiah receives this message from the Lord. God is bringing nations against Edom in battle. And as a result of the coming battle that is going to happen, God will make Edom small among the nations and greatly despised. In verse 3, it says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. And this helps to explain why God is bringing judgment upon Edom. It was because of their pride. 
They are filled with it, and it has deceived them. Pride is a very deceptive thing. It makes us think that things about ourselves that are not true and things about others that are not true. You who dwell in verse 3, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock. Now, the Edomites didn't have that much to be proud of, but what they did have is they had this area where they lived, and it had natural fortifications and strength, and so they boasted in the clefts of the rock around them. They were a small, insignificant, poor nation, but they had great fortifications. In verse 4, it said, Though you exalt yourself as high as the eagle, pride is so ingrained in fallen humans that even if we don't have much to be proud about, we'll find something to be proud about. (laughs) And we don't have to be rich and powerful to have pride. We We can be filled with pride for the least reason. So the Edomites boasted in their natural defenses. The ancient city of Petra, this is a a view at night of just a part of Petra. It's also called Sela. That is the other name for it. And you can see they built into the the mountains, they built their city. And it's all the way through there is like that. All of their dwellings are built into the rock. They had great fortifications because to get to this area, you had to go through about a mile-long canyon that was very narrow. And it was very difficult for an army to get through there without being killed by the people in Petra. So their fortification was wonderful, very difficult to get through. Okay. The Edomites boasted in their wisdom. Now, the men of Edom, especially in the city of Teman, or Taman, right here, were known for their wisdom, especially there. And the phrase, men of the east, when you read that in the Old Testament, it's talking about the men of Taman. And it refers to those people like the passages in 1 Kings 4.30, and it declares the, which declares the great wisdom of the men of the East. And that's Taman. Jeremiah 49.7 says of Edom, Is wisdom no more in Taman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? Has their vis- wisdom vanished? So... This is one thing that they were noted for. There's another source of pride for the Edomites in that they had a lot of alliances and they trusted in their allies. Their confederacy, the men at peace with them. And they thought that their alliances made them strong, so they were proud of their strength. In verse 4, we read, From there I will bring you down. So the sobering truth about pride is that God can bring us down at any time when we get so proud. Verse 5 through 9. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. 
Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasure shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? When your mighty men, O Taman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. So in verse 5, it says, if the robbers had come and stolen, wouldn't they leave when they had enough and leave for the rest? They don't get everything. They just get enough that they want. The same thing with someone who gathers grapes. They leave some for the gleaning. But he's saying, Obadiah is saying here that the judgment upon Edom is going to be far worse than what happens when robbers come and gleaners come for the grapes because they usually stop when they have enough, but not so for Edom. They are not going to stop. Verse 6, the things of Esau, they're going to be searched out by hostile soldiers who want all that they can find that is worth something. In verse 6 also, it talks about hidden things in places. So Eden... uh, had all of these mountains and they had cliffs in the rock in the rock and they had caves in the rock where they could hide things that they needed to hide because of the value of them but none of these are going to be left unexplored by their foes is what the scripture is saying in verse 7 they that eat thy bread the poorest tribes of the desert who lived on the bounty of edom have laid a wound under thee Now, these guests, these friends of Edom, instead of the cushions ordinarily that they put under the guest at the table, laid snares to wound. Actually, it means that they talked under the table against Edom and and, uh, made their plans against Edom so that they could come against them. So none of the wisdom for which Edom was famed is going to keep them from their perilous uh, position in the earth. So the judgment coming against Edom will be far more complete. Everyone from the mountain of Esau may be cut off by the slaughter. Verse 7 that we read, Men at peace with you shall deceive you. When God brings judgment against Edom, They will know the treachery that the people have against them that were once their allies. And the allies they once trusted in will come to nothing and they will be double-crossed by their former friends. Now, the Edomites were proud of their political alliances, but God's going to break through their pride and bring them low. Previously, Edom got a lot of their knowledge from the people that came down through the king's highway. And we see here 
in the red. It starts at uh, Rasafa here, comes down through Damascus, all the way down through Edom, and then goes on over to Memphis in Egypt. And they had gotten there, a lot of their information from the travelers that came through their city. And so here, they're not going to get any wisdom from them anymore. It says, in that, last, in that day at last, I will destroy its wise men. Now, the mountains of Esau, the next one, that is Edomia. This is the area of Edomia, and that's a part of Edom. It was a mountainous region. And so it says uh, in verse 10 through 14, why, why judgment's going to come against Edom? Verse 10, for violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But, and when we start here, there are going to be eight things they should not have done. The first one is in verse 12. You should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity. Nor laid hands on their substance or forces in the day of their calamity. So they stole from them. Yes. Well, they oh yes, they they did happened. a lot of they they did that and they did that. You in. should not have stood at the crosswords to cut off those among them who escaped. Nor should you have delivered them up among of those among them who remained in the day of distress. So in verse ten, it says you're going to be destroyed because of your violence to your brother Jacob. The family lines of both Israel and Edom go back to that common ancestor who was Isaac. He had, he had Esau, which was Edom, and then the twin brother Jacob, which his name was changed to Israel. And this made Edom's sin worse than it would have been otherwise. Some sins are worse depending on whom we sin against. If no, you I sin don't. against um, a brother or sister in Christ, that's worse than if you just sin against someone else. If you sin against your own family, that's worse too than if, if it was somebody else. This really is a bully. Yes. It really is a bully. So in verse 11 it says, In that day you stood on the other side so what did Edom do when strangers came and attacked Judah and, and the other foreigners that were there? They did nothing. They did nothing. Sounds like they enjoyed it. Yes. So the Philistines, the Arabians, the Syrians, 
all came against them, and then the Chaldeans later. So they stood by and they cheered for Judah's misery, and they should not have rejoiced. So sometimes doing nothing is worse than if you do the wrong thing. If you do something that's not so bad, even if maybe it's not the right thing, but if you don't do anything, that work is worse. And so Edom actually did worse than nothing. They rejoiced over another's misfortune and suffering. And then they used that as an occasion to exalt themselves. It says, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. In verse 13, it says, nor laid hands on their substance. So Eden's sin started out by doing nothing, and then it progressed to rejoicing. And now they took advantage of their brother Judah and stole from them. In, in verse 12, it says, they looked on them with pleasure in the day of their brother's calamity. You have spoken proudly, literally, it says, made great the mouth. So they talked a lot about how proud they were. And they were insulting Judah when they said that. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped. So the final progression of Edom's sin was the worst of all. They entered into the war against Judah, and they either killed those that they could find or they made them captives of the ones who were attacking them. And the crossways, when it talks about the crossways, these were narrow mountain passes that, that the Jews were trying to go through to get to a safe place. And it was well known to them, but the Edomites came and, and intercepted them and uh, delivered them up. So all in all, Edom treated God's people terribly with, with distress and calamity. First, they did nothing. Second, they rejoiced in their distress and calamity. Third, they took advantage of their vulnerable state. And fourth, they joined in the violence against God's people. So that was why God said, you're going to be no more. And the wife said he hated Edom. Yes. 15 and 16 verses. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Where have we heard that? It's also in the New Testament, isn't it? You read what you saw. Yes. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. In verse 15, the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. God wants Edom to know that through distress and calamity that came upon Judah, it can and will come upon Edom. And he says that day is near. In verse 15, he also says, As you have done, it shall be done to you. God is just going to give them simple justice. Whatever you've done, you're going to get the same thing. 
no more, no less. And so what they did is going to be done to them, and it's the same principle that's true to us. If we have mercy upon God's people, we're going to get mercy from God. If we don't, we're not going to get mercy. Uh, this was uh, God's judgment against Edom was a just fulfillment of his promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So Edom cursed God's people, so they are going to be destroyed, and they're going to be cursed. So if we want to be blessed, we need to bless Israel and the Jewish people. In verse 16, it said, Upon my holy mountain. And it expresses the, the reason for the, the vengeance to be taken on Judah's foes, namely that Jerusalem is God's holy mountain. That is what it's called. And it's the seat of his temple, and Judah is his covenant people. In verse 16 also, it says, Be as though they had not been, not a trace left of their national existence in the future. In verses 17 through 20, But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So in verse 19, the south shall possess the mountains of Esau. And the lowland shall possess Philista. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. Let's look at a map. Um, here is Philista. Here are the fields of Ephraim that they say that they're going to possess. Benjamin is going to possess Gilead, and that's a part of Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. And then later on, it's Moab and Ammon that they were going to possess. Um, the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Cephala. So Canaan land is all in this area, and Cephala is up here close to Sidon. <coughs> the captives of, Is of Jerusalem who are in Asiphorad, shall possess the cities of the south. So on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. Here is Jerusalem, Mount Zion. And it's going to be uh, both literal and it's going to be spiritual. The trials and burdens among God's people are only temporary. We need to remember that. Because among them, there shall be deliverance. However, the attack coming against Edom is going to be different. They're not going to have a deliverer. In verse 18, it says, Israel shall be the fire, and they shall be the stubble. 
and Edom will be completely devoured. So the word of God through Obadiah proved true. The Edomites fought side by side with the Jews in the rebellion against Rome in AD 66 through 70, and they were crushed by Rome, never to be heard of as a people again. So the predictions of Obadiah were precisely fulfilled. You will not meet an Edomite today. The last, it's, this I thought was interesting, the last of the Edomites was the dynasty of Herod the Great. He, he was from Edom. And Edom, Edom. And uh, when his sons died, that was, there were no more Edomites. Completely gone. He says the south shall possess the mountains of Esau. So these people are going uh, are going to possess the mountains of Esau. And Obadiah looks forward, one of the commentators says, to the day when Israel will occupy and possess the land that once belonged to Esau. They do not possess that land now. But he says one day they will. And we can trust that either it's going to be in our age or in the age to come that they will have that, that land. In verse 17, it says the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. So God wants his people to possess their spiritual possessions. Uh, unlike Judah's heathen foes of whom no remnant shall escape, which is in Obadiah 9 and 16, a remnant of the Jews do escape when the rest of the nation has perished, and they will regain their original ancient possessions. Verse 17, there shall be holiness, that is, Zion shall be holy, no more violated by foreign invaders. The house of Jacob and Joseph, that is, the two kingdoms, Judah and Ephraim, Judah here and Ephraim here, are going to become one. And their former feuds, they're going to put those away. They're not going to be feuding each other anymore. And the Jews returned with some of the Israelites to Babylon, from Babylon, and under John Hyrcanus, so subdued and compelled the people there, they incorporated the Edomians with themselves that they formed part of the nation in the possession of that enlarged land as one kingdom. So they did, they did take this area here. Now John um, Hyrcanus was a Hasmonean, actually a Maccabee, and he was a leader and Jewish high priest that came back and did this. His name means John the High Priest. All right. In verse 19, it talks about they of the South, the Jews who in the coming time are to occupy the South of Judah in addition to their own territory. 
the adjoining mountains of Edom. And also they of the plain, the Jews who shall occupy the low country along the Mediterranean, here, south and southwest of Palestine, shall possess, in addition to their own territory, the land of the Philistines. Here we see Philistia. And it runs in a long strip between the, ha the hills and the sea. In verse 19, they shall possess the fields of the Ephraim. And the people who at one time owned fields in Ephraim will come back and repossess those fields. Benjamin will possess Gilead, which I said it once before, and it's all of this area here. In verse 20, the captivity of this host, that is the captives of this multitude of the Israelites, shall possess that of the Canaanites. The Canaanites were all in this area here. And it says the captives whom the Canaanites carried away captive into Phoenicia, even unto Zarephath, which again is right up here, shall possess the south, namely Edomia as well as the south. In verse 20, the ten tribes of Israel shall possess the territory of the Canaanites, namely western, western um, Palestine and Phoenicia. I think I have a better slide of that. Okay, here we find Phoenicia, and then this is that other area there. And the captives of Jer Jerusalem and Judah shall possess the southern cities, namely Edom. So each of the regions possessed those things that were around them, those cities that were around them. And Israel had the western Canaanite region and Judah the southern. Even unto Zarephath, near Sidon. Yeah, Sidon is S-I-D-O-N on this map. It's also spelled Z-I-D-O-N in the Bible at certain places. And it's called Sarepta in the New Testament. And the name implies it was a place of smelting metals. And from this quarter up here, when Jesus was there and walked on this, the woman, the Canaanite woman that came to him came from there. This was the woman who had the, the child that he, she wanted him to heal, and he said, I came for the Jews, I didn't come for the Gentiles. And she said, yes, but even the dogs get crumbs from the table, and he did heal her daughter. That's in Matthew 15. So captives of the Jews had been carried into the coast of Palestine or Canaan, about Tyre and Zidane, which again is right up here. So they've been taken captives up there. And the Jews, when restored, shall possess the territory of all their ancient oppressors. That's interesting to me because I'm thinking they certainly don't possess it now. Another place that I want to talk about is this place right here. It's called the Bosphorus. It's way up here at the Black Sea. Down here is Israel. Captives, when they were taken captive by the enemies, had been taken up to even up to this area right up here. And it's the Western Asia Minor, and they call it Bosphorus. And the Jerusalem captives of the dispersion, when they were dispersed, 
they're going to return and possess the southern cities. And Sifarad, though literally the district near this Bosphorus up there, represents the Jews' far and wide dispersion. And then we have another area of dispersion, and that is all the way to Sardis. And so we don't even see Israel on the map here. It's somewhere here, but they all the way there. So they were carried everywhere when they were captive. Then saviors, in verse 21, then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So the idea here that there are saviors in an ultimate sense, and but here saviors actually means deliverers. And the contrast is that Edom is going to be totally destroyed and no saviors are going to help Edom. But saviors shall come to Mount Zion for Jerusalem. And they're going to judge the mountains of Esau in at least three different ways. The first one is the presence of deliverers is a judgment against Edom because Edom does not have a deliverer. The second one is that judges will rule over the territory of Edom. And third is the judges will actually sit in judgment over Edom and their sins. So also in verse 21 it says, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So this, this brief prophecy, it's it, only one chapter, 21 verses in Obadiah, but it ends on a high note. The Edomites seem to have had their day against God, and at the end of it all, the kingdom is going to be the Lord's. You know, he knows how to take care of his people, and he knows uh, in advance where his kingdom is going to be. So this encouragement is probably the central point of the whole chapter of Obadiah encourage the people that if if you do wrong like this you're going to be destroyed but otherwise if you're like judah you're going to be uh, in the house of the lord but it certainly was welcomed i don't think this this book of obadiah was ever read in edom i don't think they wanted to hear anything about that but it was really good news for the people in judah and israel Obadiah actually tells God's people, don't worry about those who ignore your need, those who rejoice over your problems, those who take advantage of your crises, those who join their hands with others in attacking you. I will take care of them, says God. So, so judges were raised up as saviors or deliverers of Israel from the enemy. And um, the people, the Maccabees, who conquered the Edomians, were foretold in 2 Maccabees. That's a part of, of the extended Bible that never got into the sacred word. But in 2 Maccabees uh, 10, 15, and 23, it's foretold here, and these were types of peaceful periods yet to come to Israel. So to judge, in, in verse 21, Esau to punish, 
and, and we see at the end of this that Edom is a type of Israel's and God's last foes. So are there any comments, questions on this? Severe punishment. Thank you for listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. If you would like to watch our message live or looking for more information about our church, visit us. Follow us on Facebook, Restoration Church.